0: Let's pray together. Our Father, we come to you today and we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your patience with us as your people. And Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, this morning. We thank you for this season to be able to to enjoy you and to be able to glorify you forever by increasingly becoming more and more like your son. And so, Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, opening our eyes to what your word says about you and about your son, that we would become more like Jesus. And, Father, we pray that your word would be clear, and we pray that it would run uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit to change our lives even today, even while we are in the midst of one another. And we love you. We thank you. We pray with expectation and joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Bethel. Um, and I'm so thankful to, to be able to, to speak um, I, I want to first. I want to say thank you to so many of you who have, have extended prayer requests to me. Um, my family is going through a circumstance right now that that makes it very fitting that that I preach on joy. And uh, Pastor Ken, uh, in his in his grace on Friday, um, we were checking in, and he said, "Brandon, do you do you want to preach on Friday?" And I said, I do, I do want to, I do, or I do want to preach on Sunday. Um, And in fact, I, I need to, I need to. And I just want you to know that the word is good for those who are, are giving it and who are studying it. It's so important. Um, The, the topic that we have for today is, is joy. We're going to be in Psalm 126. You can, you can open there with me. Um, This week, again, I thank you for the prayer requests Um, What has been happening in our family over the last couple of weeks has been a a bit unnerving. Um, Just on uh, Thanksgiving, uh, my stepdad came to my uh, house for Thanksgiving and uh, he was acting erratic. And so between Thanksgiving and and today, uh, he has been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Um, and so, so within these last 14, 15 days, um, our family has done a lot, of, um, a, a lot of thinking, a lot of praying, a lot of talking, a lot of crying about what, um, what will happen. And so um, just last Tuesday, about a, about a week and a half ago, um, he, he went, underwent brain surgery to remove uh, the largest tumor on the front of his uh, prefrontal lobe. Um, and so they, they took that away. The other tumor was deemed to be inoperable. And so now they are just racing toward trying to get him chemo and radiation as soon as possible uh, to prolong his life um, as much as they can. But the prognosis is, is dim. There's not a lot of hope or light in that his physical body is going to last. And yet it's Christmas. Christmas. We had a, a wonderful time. We we uh, went downtown, went to the Chris, Kingle, uh, Chris uh, uh, Kringle market downtown uh, in Chicago. And my sister is up because of my stepdad's illness, and so uh, my sister's up from Texas. And so her husband and her daughter and, and her um, my family got together, and we went to Chris uh, Kringle market, and we, we went and saw the Macy's tree. We went and, and walked underneath the trumpets, and we down there with the bucket, uh, the, the bucket boys, and, and playing down on Michigan Avenue. It was wonderful. It's glorious. It, we took pictures and we and we rejoiced in being able to 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 be in one another's company. But you know what would have made it better? If my stepdad would have been with us, that would have been better. You know, our, our lives are a lot like that. It's Christmas. We're, we're celebrating the, the birth of Jesus. We're celebrating the world changing. And all of, the, all of the regalia, all of the glitz, all of the glamour is real. And I, and I want you to really rejoice in it. I want that. But I don't want you to be surprised by grief in the midst of glory. Glory that's not good for us. And and whenever we're talking about that, that already not yet, we know that that Jesus has come. We know that he is setting things right. We see it in our own lives, and yet we know that there's so far that we have to go. We know that there are so many things that are not quite done yet, or we know there are so many people that we are praying for. And this is why we take time to consider this Advent season, to, to look back at, at how the ancient people of God, to, to the Jews and see how they were looking forward to Jesus, to Messiah to come, to, to set things right, to bring restoration, to bring salvation. We're looking, they were looking toward that and now we're looking back and saying, I'm so glad that, that we see the revelation of God in Christ and we see it for us. But yet we now as Christians are looking forward to the next coming of Christ. And that's why we take the time to to go into the Old Testament to be able to see what it is that that they were looking for, longing for, and we see how it is revealed in Jesus and how it will even be more greatly revealed when Jesus is to come again. And so if you have grief mixed in your glory, if you have some, some sadness that's intermingled with your happiness. And Psalm 126 is for you. Let's read it together. Psalm 126. We'll have a, a very simple outline here. You can get there. Psalm 126, I believe it's on page 613. And so as you're turning there, Uh, Very simple outline, uh, just a a few verses, six verses. Uh, First, we're going to see a praise to God in verses one, two, and three. And then we're going to see a prayer to God in verse four and a promise from God. And the big idea of all of this is that the joy we enjoy with God is more complete when it's shared with others. The joy that we enjoy with God is more complete when it's shared with others. So Psalm uh, 126, read along with me. Page 613 in your uh, pew Bible. We're gonna be flipping around a little bit. It'd be great for you to see it in, the, in your own hands, uh, but we're gonna be in the Old Testament a bit and the New Testament a bit, uh, but, but that's why we have those Bibles there. So if you start in page um, 613 in your Bible, I'll help you get around from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but let's read it together. When the Lord restored... Fortunes of when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And so... As we begin the text, as we begin to, to look at this and we understand that, I, that big idea is that the joy that we enjoy with God is more complete when it is shared with others. I ask if, if that is something that you can resonate with, can, can you carry along that thought? Do you have grief mixed with that glory? Do you have that, that, that happiness and that sadness that is, that is mingled together in a season like this? Then we we pull that into the the text, and we see that this is what we're talking about. In the the first three verses, we see this happiness. We see this glory that that they are attributing to God. And then in the second three, it it, it gets a more somber tone, and it brings a prayer, and then it talks about, about sowing in tears. And so in Psalm 126, I want you to notice something. And if you have your, your Bibles open, just above where we started to read, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, I want you to see uh, what it says there above it. And in mine, it's in all caps. And it, it has this phrase, a song of ascents. Do you guys see that? A sense with a, a T. You guys see that in your Bible? So 126, just above it, a Psalm of ascents. Now, if you go to Psalm 125, you'll right next to the to the, the number there, you'll see another phrase that's exactly the same. A Psalm of ascents. So what is that about? It's really, really important, and, and you'll see why in just a few minutes. Uh, Psalm 120 through uh, 134 are all titled Psalm of Ascent. You can look, if you, if you have your Bible, you can look at it. It's right there. Uh, so Psalm 120 to, to 120 or 134 are Psalms of Ascent. So what does that mean? Some of your translations might say a Psalm of degrees because we're going up. And so what that is, and, and maybe even to back out a little bit more, do you know the Psalms are a song book? So the Psalms are ancient Jewish hymns, songs, that would be sung. And so the entire book of Psalms is a song book, just like the hymnals we have in the rack or like what we do on the screen, that's what we're looking at whenever we're looking at the Psalms. Now, when we go into Psalm 120 to 134, they're all titled Psalms of Ascent, and so we would say, well, what is that? What are they ascending to? Well, these would be the songs that they sing during certain times of the year when everybody is celebrating the same thing. Does that sound familiar? It, the, the, basically, it's their Christmas songs. But it would be their Passover and their temple, or their, their booth songs and, and that type of a thing. But, but when everybody comes together together, because it's kind of like church, right? Not everybody comes every week, but a lot more people come around Christmas, right? And so the same kind of thing, they're, they're, they're coming from all around. They have to go to the temple. And, and as they're walking up in degrees, in elevation to Jerusalem, then they're singing these songs, they know these songs really well. There are three times a year, at least, that they are singing these songs as a corporate body. And it's so beautiful when you look at Psalm 120 all the way down to Psalm 134, how familiar they are. It is recounting the history, the hope of the Jews. And as you, as you go through these, later today it would be great for you to just read the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 120 to, to 134. And and just the opening lines of each of these. I'll just start in Psalm 120. In my distress I call to the Lord and he answered me. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 123. To you, I lift up my eyes. Psalm 124 If it had not been the Lord who is on our side. And Psalm 125 Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. And now our Psalm 126 When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. What are we talking about when we're talking about the, the, the restoring the fortunes of Zion? Well, look, look back in the text and go ahead and next slide, please. So we're, we're bringing this praise to God. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who were in a dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations... The Lord has done great things for them. And the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. And so what we're seeing here is that, that there is this recounting, the saying that God has done something great among us. He's done something great for us. He's restored us to himself. He, it says here that he has restored the fortunes of Zion. Other translations would say restored the captivity or turned the captivity. That's the, the way that the phrasing can work. But this is a historical account that we find later on in Scripture. And so, so if you want to turn to 2 Chronicles, and so 2 Chronicles is going to be back um, a few, a few books, so you can look in your index. You go to 2 Chronicles, and I'm going to have it on the, on the screen as well. But I want you to see what it is that they are excited about, what it is that they're celebrating in this holiday song of ascent. Because it's so important whenever we look at ourselves and say, what is it that we are to be finding joy in? Well, what we are to be finding joy in is restoration to God. We're to be finding joy that we're reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus Christ, not of our own works. We could never do that. We we, we can't measure up to that. Only Jesus is perfect. And so only he can be our substitute. Only he can be the one who gains that access and that family relationship for us with God. Second Chronicles, the end of Second Chronicles, and then if you're there, you actually see that on the other page is the first page of Ezra, and right here is encapsulated what's being talked about when we get to Psalm 126, when he talks about our our um, uh, our, our captivity, uh, our fortunes are recovered, and so Second Chronicles chapter 36. What has been happening here and, and what happens in much of the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with it, is that we have the, this problem um, after Adam and Eve sin in, in Genesis chapter three, and then what we have is we have this cycle of, of men trying to get it right on their own, judges and kings and, and all these other types of, of things, and they're saying, I wanna, we, we can do this on our own. And God is sending God's people, prophets, to them saying, you're not getting it right. This is the way you need to go. You're not getting it right. There's trouble coming. There is judgment coming. There's exile coming. There's separation from me coming if you don't live as my people. And and what we see here in 2 Chronicles is that happening. And we can just read 2 Chronicles chapter 36 verse 17 Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young men or virgin old man or aged he gave them all into his hand and all the vessels of the house of God great and small and the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of princes all these he brought to Babylon and they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all the precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its sabbaths all the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So we're seeing that there is this great destruction, the temple is torn down, the people are taken away, and now, if your Bible is like mine, on the next page uh, is the book of Ezra. So we see that, that terrible captivity, and now we see this tremendous restoration. We see it right here, Ezra chapter 1, right off of the bat. Verse 2, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Cyrus is king of Persia. Cyrus is not an ancient Jew. He is, he is someone of the nations. He is someone who is not of, of the lineage that you would expect to be giving uh, this green light for the Jews to be able to go back into this restorative and redemptive relationship with their God. And yet, that is exactly what we see happening. And Psalm 126 is the recounting of that great restoration from captivity. Now, you might be saying, okay, Brandon, why, why does that matter? Why, why, is, why are you giving us this lesson today when we're talking about Christmas? It's because there are two types of people in this room. There are those who have been restored to God. There are those who have access to the temple of Christ. There there are those who have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. That's how restoration happens. And there are those who are still in captivity. And as believers, as Christians, the, the way that their mouths are full of laughter, back to, to Psalm 126, the way that their, their, their mouths are full of laughter, the way that their tongue shouts with joy, the, the way that the, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad the way that, that our gladness, the way that our joy, the way that our confidence in what God has done for us, it just exudes out of us. And so even those in the nation say, we see that your God is the God. That's the response that we can have, that, that they had when they were given that restoration. Because we understand that there was captivity before that. We understand what it's like to, to, to be in a place where, where we don't want to be. We understand what it's like to want to do something that we, that we should do and not be able to do that. And as Christians, we've been set free from that. We can, we can now do the right thing. We can, we can now be more like Jesus and we can be more like we desire to be with the Holy Spirit's help. We, we have that and we have it to be a light. This is where we see the, the big idea that I, the joy that we enjoy in God is more complete when it's able to be shared. God didn't just send them back to Jerusalem just to do their own thing. He, he sent them back to Jerusalem to be a light. Isaiah 49, if you uh, would, would go to the other side of Psalms, Isaiah 45, Isaiah 49, this is, this is Isaiah uh, prophesying toward, toward Israel, saying that, that God has, has shared this with him So Isaiah 49, 3, and and God said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. God will be glorified through Israel. And then down to to verse 6, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to the deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the servant of the rulers, King shall see and arise princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. The restoration that, that Israel gained, that we are reading about in Psalm 126, was to be a light, and it was actually happening. Uh, we, we see that, that the Lord has done great things for them. This is what they said among the nations. This isn't just what was being said in Jerusalem or, or with the Jews or with, with the people who believed in, uh, in God. But they're saying the Lord has done great things for them. The one that they call the Lord is doing great things for them. And yet, Israel comes back to Jerusalem It's harder than they think. Not everybody comes back. Not everybody uh, wants to go back to Jerusalem. Some of them have made Babylon now, made captivity their home, the place where they want to do life, and they don't come back. But there are still some who do look for and see this great light Look back uh, look with me, go to the New Testament, uh, Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, and this is in the christmas story and 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 the the birth of Jesus is is in Luke chapter two. we'll We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. as Jesus is presented at the in, in the temple, Luke chapter two there's there's one named Simeon who is looking for. Messiah, looking for the promise. And as we, we see that, that our joy can be completed in Jesus, we see it it's so well put by Simeon. He says it uh, in this way when, when he sees Jesus in the temple, verse 27, uh, Simeon came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents we're we're seeing that we're seeing what it is that they were looking for in the old testament and yet even as we we see that they see what they were looking for that, that all the promises of God have, have come through and come true in Jesus Christ. That he is the light of the world as Israel was supposed to be. That, that he is the one that is now coming to, uh, to, to bring salvation, to bring uh, light to the Gentiles. Let's go back to Psalm 126. Back to Psalm 126. With all of that joy, if the psalm was to end right there, it would, it would be tremendous. It would be an uplifting psalm, but yet there's this prayer to God in Psalm 126. So 126, verse 4, we see the tone change. The Lord has great, done great things for us. We, we see that there is this light that we're going to, to find in Christ, and yet in verse 4, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. We go from a praise to acknowledging God as as, as the one who is doing all of these glorious things, all of these great things, and now it's turning and we're praying for him to do something again. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. As, As complete as our joy is, in being a Christian, in being saved, in knowing we're restored, in knowing we're reconciled, there's still something that we're begging God to do. Now, the the phrase in verse four is very similar to the phrase in verse one, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, and then now in verse four, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev, They're they're getting back to they they're getting back to Jerusalem and they're looking around and they're seeing, like I just said a couple minutes ago, there are some who have not come out of captivity. There are some who, who have not believed in what God provided and so did not make that step to move back to the presence of God in Jerusalem. They they didn't move back to having access in the temple. There were some who did. We see that with Simeon. But but now, these singers are going up to Jerusalem and they are praising God for what he's doing, but they're then praying that God would bring the rest. Just like I had a glorious time on Michigan Avenue and Macy's, Christmas Trees and Kris Kringle Market, But I wish my stepdad was there. I wish the reason we were downtown wasn't that he has terminal cancer. I wish the reason I was seeing him more over these last couple of weeks was out of, was out of a joyous occasion, not a hard occasion. I, my joy is complete in Jesus. Jesus. I, I believe that, but if I can use this term, it would be more complete if if he would save my stepdad. It would be more complete if if he would heal my stepdad. It would be more complete if I knew that that I would be able to spend eternity with Bill, my stepdad, who was my stepdad from eight to twenty one that formative time um, he. My, my parents ended up getting divorced when I was 21. Um, and, um, and he always has called us his kids. We, we've always been his only children. There, there's nothing that I want more than for him to know Jesus the way I know it. I just want to share my joy that I have in Jesus with my stepdad. So that he can know that joy too, and so that we can spend eternity together. With, with a crowd this size, I can imagine that there are other people who, this Christmas, are praying for their loved ones. You're praying for your children. You're praying for your grandchildren. You're praying for your coworkers or your friends or your spouse. And yeah, Christmas is good. Christmas is nice. Christmas is glorious. But there's a mingling of grief in that. The Holy Spirit knows that. God knows that. He knows the prayer of your heart. He knows the prayer of my heart. He knows that I love him. He knows I believe in him. He knows that I am completely rejoicing in him. And yet, He does not despise you for that mingling of grief. He does, not, he does not despise you. He does not minimize that you want your family members or those who you love to come to Christ so they can share the same joy. So believer, pray for that. Pray, pray for the ones who are around you who don't know yet. We have a good model. If you turn over to Romans chapter 9, this is the Apostle Paul. This is how he starts in, in Romans chapter 9 coming, uh, now granted, coming right out of Romans chapter 8 where he is talking about God's everlasting love. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just bring out some greatest hits. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, did not, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Height, joy, it's just amazing what what Paul is laying down. And then in Romans chapter nine, he says this. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. There there is a a real place that we see in Psalm 126 that that we can understand that that the joy we enjoy with others is something we want for others. The joy we're feeling this Christmas is something that we want to be able to give to other people. We don't want it to just be uh, another, another public holiday. We don't want it just to be another Amazon busy day. We want it to be the celebration of the Messiah, the promised one who came to set his people free and who brought his people back into restoration to be able to worship together. That's what we want to be able to celebrate at Christmas. And so we have this joy, we, we have this grief, we have this glory, we have this sadness and, and we have them mingled together and God doesn't despise that, he doesn't minimize it but the amazing thing about this passage is that not only does he write in this through the Holy Spirit, this praise to God for the deliverance, historical and metaphorical, deliverance, not only Do we we see that others see it and are are drawn to that? And we're begging, we're praying for God to be able to work in that, but then he gives us a promise that it will be done. There's a promise from God. Look back in Psalm 126, verse four. This is the prayer, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. And uh, again, just to give some context in the Negev, desert region, southern part of southern part of Israel and very dry and barren but during the winter it will get these floods and these rushes through the gullies that can take away people cars animals and it happens like that and God's praying that or I'm I'm praying that to God from my family unexpected fruitfulness unexpected rain of salvation that it that it would just pour out and praying as Christians for those who have not yet come out of captivity, that they would bloom like the streams in the Negev. So out of that prayer, then the the voice changes again to this promise. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, as Christians, just as, if I was to say, I'm going to share a parable of Jesus, and I'm going to, to start with uh, there was a parable, and, and there was a farmer who was sowing. Do you guys remember that parable? Some of you, it might, it might strike a, a tone. Well, turn with me to Mark chapter four, and this is where I wanted to set up and let you know why the, the, the Psalms of Ascent were so important, because these would be psalms and songs that were sung very, very often. Mark chapter four, very familiar verse. I want to make the connection between Psalm 126 and what the, the, the ancient uh, Jewish Uh, people of God were were singing and have been singing for for millennia and what Jesus intentionally does here. Just as Psalm 126 uh, tells us that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Jesus is telling parables He says this in verse 3 of Mark chapter 4. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Like name that tune to one of your favorite Christmas songs. The Jewish ear would have went back to Psalm 126. And so he goes on to talk about then what we're familiar with. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up And uh, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold and Jesus said he who has ears to hear let him hear and when he was alone those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables and he said to them to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Jesus is the sower of seed. Jesus is the one who, who goes out and 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 sows in tears, and who is promised to return with shouts of joy with all of his sheaves, with all of his harvest. You, believer, if you have trusted on Christ, you are part of that harvest. And God has promised that, that he is going to, to get all that are his. There are not going to be any that are left out. Jesus is going to come back with complete victory, with complete joy, when he returns with his saints to rule and reign on earth. So, what do we take from that in this promise for this season? We understand Jesus is going to come back, and that's going to to complete his joy. I'm going to check my battery. He's going to complete his joy. What is our part in that? Turn to Matthew chapter 5 as we close. Matthew chapter 5. There's a promise that it is worth it that we would sow seed. There's a promise worth it that it would be worth it for you to sow seed with those in your life. Just as it is Jesus who is the one who is sowing seed and then in good soil, in a good heart, that then brings the increase, it brings the abundance Now, in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's going to increase your joy. It's going to complete your joy to share your joy in Jesus with others. We don't have to be shy. We don't have to be scared. We we don't have to count those costs so much that we miss opportunities and we taste regret rather than joy this year. Jesus is the light of the world. He has come and he has shown light into our hearts. He has put the Holy Spirit into us so that we might share the light of the world, that we might sow the seeds of his character, of his truth. And the promise is there for you this morning as we close, as we pray. I pray that you would be encouraged to know that God promises that it will be worth it when you share your faith through this Christmas season. It's a beautiful season. There are people in our lives, on our heart, that need to know the truth of the gospel. Let us rest on the promise of God that it'll be worth it. It'll be fruitful and it will complete our joy. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you, I thank you for the time that you give me in your word and for the way it is a balm to my soul. And Father, I pray that, that what was shared this morning from Psalm 126 would be encouraging, would be challenging, would give us opportunity to, to see how intricate your word is, how intentional Jesus was. When he said that he was the light of the world, that that he is the farmer sowing the seed, God, I pray that you would have us to have eyes to see and hearts to, to accept what that means for us. That as we have faith in him, as we seek to follow in his steps, that we would be sowing the seed that brings joy and peace and reconciliation and restoration to our souls. And we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.